0: I'm Robin Anler of IBS Intelligence. You're listening to the IBS iViews podcast. Pay360 is a two-day event organized by the Payments Association. I caught up with Tony Craddock, Director General of the Payments Association, on day one, asking him to outline the key themes he saw evident at Pay360 2023.
1: So the typical buckets are around changing consumer demand, Changing regulation and changing technology, that's consistently what we've had here. What we're seeing is, I think, a recognition that this is such an extraordinarily fast-moving and changing space and such a increasingly complicated one, is that actually talking is more important than ever. And I know that sounds like a cliche, but it really is true here. There's all the buzzwords, all the three-letter acronyms, there's the Old ones and the SVB that you won't want me to mention. It's um, not that I don't want you to mention it. It's <laughs> a lot of people probably would rather it. you didn't. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. We're seeing a recognition that I think a few a few for you. CBDCs not going to be the universal panacea. Possibly useful for wholesale. Possibly useful for international. We're seeing uh, stablecoins looking increasingly like e money which in itself is going to be quite an important development. In terms of um, adoption, we're increasingly seeing the excluded left behind. And I was chatting to the woman who runs Step Change, which is a charity supporting badly indebted consumers, that our industry is still failing to serve them. what else am I seeing? Not enough merchants and retailers engaged with this. A handful of them. But there's a massive potential to help their customers by embracing payment strategically, so that's important for us to think about for the future. And I'm not seeing I'm not seeing gaming and gambling people here, which is odd, because you'd expect them here. So are you seeing panic
0: at all or nerves? And I'm not talking about big bank failures, I'm talking about the fact that the new payment innovators who came along in the last few years and now in a situation where they're facing difficulty in raising money, they're facing expensive money in a way that they hadn't for the last decade, yeah. there is going to be some kind of shakeout and agglomeration in the industry. I've been to events where it was almost a case of don't buy the tech, buy me. Are you seeing any of that here? So
1: the City AM headline today was don't panic. <laughs> And that's typical media. You, as soon as you think that something is going to get attention, then you'll put a big headline against it. And, of course, what that makes people think is, should I be panicking? I don't sense out there any sense of panic. I see an investor on the stage this morning saying they were continuing to invest in companies, but the criteria are different. And that's just about the entrepreneur being in tune with the criteria, which is perhaps you have to be cash flow positive earlier. Perhaps you have to be more you know, EBIT positive sooner. Maybe you have to be... Show
0: me your path to profitability. Yes,
1: yeah, absolutely. So we're definitely seeing that. We're seeing companies merge. You're right. We have seen some consolidation. We're going to see more. But that's not a bad thing. Normally, what it means is the early stage investors get their money back and they might make some money if they do and you get more economies of scale and you get clients ending up with double the value than they would have done and so we're seeing several companies out there eml and newer is one of them and, and occasional div- divestments too so will pay and fis separating is an interesting development but we're not seeing we're not seeing failures so that's a really important distinction in this sector as you know robin there's lots and lots of early-stage businesses. You generally see them being adopted or being incorporated within other people. This is what I call a self-healing web. You don't get big public failures. Now, Even, ironically, even the recent banking failures have been absorbed by other banks or by, supported by regulators and or by central banks. So I, I, I'm predicting that's going to happen here. I think we'll end up with more absorption of smaller companies that haven't quite made it. And we'll see more big companies going, you know what, I can snaffle a new capability here, whether it's an HSBC or, or other, that that actually enhances their offer.
0: Well, i give you an example of another bank. I was speaking to a banker here at this event, and I said to him, what does all this mean for you? What does it mean for the evolution of your bank? And he said, we're going to be a tech company.
1: Yeah. Yeah, brilliant. And Mastercard claims it's a technology company.
0: Well, Mastercard also claims it's a fintech, which I would (laughs) arguably dispute quite vigorously. Yeah,
1: fair enough, fair enough.
0: No, there is a, a tendency to leap on labels and have established businesses leap on labels. Somebody like Mastercard calling itself a fintech, you're not a fintech, okay? Yeah.
1: I, th- I think that's a fair fair observation. Um, you know, I think uh, we we see companies like Mastercard and Visa as playing a really important role in one part of the ecosystem going forward. But we're also seeing open banking really establish itself, not just as a capability, but as something that actually will have a big revolutionary impact on the industry. And and I'm part of that. Is my confidence is is out of the speech that was made by Marion King this morning, who's chair and trustee of, of Open Banking, um, which is what it was, OBIE, and and she's very clear that it's got to be commercial. It's got to be a, tra- a, a favourable alternative to card-based payments. There's got to be all those various considerations around protection of funds and, and payments. So I'm, I'm very excited about that too.
0: Well, I'll give you my standard response these days about Open Banking. Nobody knows, nobody cares. Outside of the industry, open banking is an industry label. Mm. It's not the label you're going to be able to sell it to me as a consumer or as a businessman. I
1: completely agree. I completely agree. But nobody really knows how uh, the conventional card scheme rails work either. Nobody as a consumer cares about them. So we're not selling open banking externally. What we're selling is... A more convenient and easier way to pay and perhaps a way that's got some added value attached to it. And that will require us to be really good at marketing, to really get the financial incentives right. So we need a new economic model that backs up open banking. And then, yeah, well, if it's favorable for the retailers and it costs them half as much to, to facilitate a transaction as it would through a scheme payment, then they'll start promoting that instead of scheme pay- payments.
0: Now, you, you mentioned specifically the, the retailers, but as far as retail banking is concerned, that's where all the push has been. That's where all the development has been that's made changes to the way people pay already. Mm. That's why there are 7 million, I believe is the number that's quoted, mm. people now using open banking. And, and I stress the word people. It's people, not businesses yes, yet, because true. B2B yeah. is where the money is. If you're a bank, that's where you're going to make money out of the open banking capabilities. Yeah. You're not going to make it out of retail banking.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's true. So I, I think the companies that have positioned themselves as B2B enablers rather than B2C enablers are the ones who are starting to make money out of open banking. I agree with you. That's definitely where the margin is.
0: And it's also where it's going to continue to be because the other problem about trying to make money out of retail banking is that. The people who are going to make money are the third-party providers providing the bells and whistles and you the sexy mean, bits. You,
1: you mean retail payments, not retail banking. So we're not talking about s- sterling or monetary. No, I'm talking we're about, retail, about retail, the, retail. the open
0: banking payments. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. So, you know, as, as is often the case, when you try and construct a market artificially, which, remember, at the beginning of the CMA 9 order, they were trying to do this for competition purposes, to bring competition... F- all the banks and against the schemes that was the idea now the regulator this morning chris helmsley said this is about growth and innovation the next phase so we've done the phase which is about improving competition now we want to improve growth and innovation whether the joint regulatory oversight committee's new roadmap which is due out early april we hope is going to be sufficiently clear a solution to that? I don't know. I'm a little sceptical. But let's hope so. Let's hope that that gives clear direction, following all the work that's been done in the last year, to try and review where we are, where we're going to go, and what's the path to getting there.
0: Well, if you get all of those, I'll be very impressed.
1: <laughs> well, we're hope- We're hope. hope. I'm hopeful. I am a compulsive optimist, though. So. Uh,
0: so what's next, then, for the Payments Association?
1: Yes, it's a great question. I mean, the trouble is there's an awful lot of things we could do. So uh, this year we start – so we we run a series of st- what we call stakeholder working groups. They're volunteers who come together around a project or a theme. So we look at things like project regulator, project open banking, project cross-border. And we had five of those. We've now added a sixth. We've now had – we've actually got seven. We had the sixth one was uh, project digital assets, looking at CBDCs and stablecoins and things digital currencies we have now just launched project esg that that's going to be um looking at diversity of talent in the industry how we have a more sustainable industry these sort of things really important work we also have people wanting to do now work on artificial intelligence and payments so will project ai be another that's if you like the next new wave of interest we're seeing but we're also seeing people saying look we've got to get things together in terms of um We've got to create a, a community theme around addressing the problems of safeguarding accounts. How do you? Man- and then another one is: what do we do for licensed institutions that are coming to the end of their their days? They're close to failure. What about wind-down planning, and what does that imply for safeguarded accounts? So, to me, this is this is all important stuff. Um, quite what we can take on. The more members we have, the more we can take on. So that we're still on a growth path for membership too. We've got about three, twice as many members as we had two years ago, so still growing.
0: So you're making a success of the Payments Association well, itself? Well,
1: we, 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 the two, the event and the association, in a way, go hand in hand. This is the, the annual watering hole of the, of the payments industry. Uh, we've got people out there who are with members, um, many people out there who are not with members, but the members know that they're on the pitch playing the game and the Payments Association run the pitch.
0: And that was Tony Craddock, Director General of the Payments Association, speaking at Pay360 2023.